to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome to another episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine and shocked to life by Reliant Lithium Batteries. I am David Shong, and joining me as always is the AC insider himself, Kenneth Grover. And just like when you have a good starting spot, just a few hundred yards away from takeoff, we're going to start this podcast that same exact way with the Toyota Series Southern Division winner, Kenny Steverson. Kenny, welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? Yeah, just another really? day. Yeah, it's pretty good so far. I, I, for me, it's, it's getting warmer, so I'm hoping that's signs of open water because I'm from Wisconsin, whereas Kent is from uh, Alabama. But uh, yeah, pretty good so far. But it seems like you had a better weekend than we did. But uh, but yeah, congratulations on that win. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's, it's a little warmer down here than it is there, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I get crazy looks out of the out of the three of us. I'll, I'll definitely be in shorts if I'm in like what 67 degree weather. But I'm pretty sure the two of you guys, especially you, Kenny, might be looking at me a bit odd uh, wearing shorts in uh, was it February. But you know, for me, that's pretty warm, <laughs> 60 to 70 degrees yeah. at that. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna uh, take a look at and and dissect your win on the Harris chain here, but. Uh, Based on from the little research that I was able to do, based on where you are geographically, you've got a lot of good lakes to pick from. Would you call the Harris Chain your home lake? And how much uh, experience do you have on the Harris Chain? Uh, yeah, I actually uh, grew up on uh, one of the lakes, Lake Eustis. My dad okay. lived on the north end, so I grew up fishing my whole life fishing out there. So Lake Eustis would be my favorite lake of the chain, actually. But that's where I grew up was fishing Eustis most of the time, but I would fish all around the chain, of course, but yeah, the Harris chain would be my home. Okay. So, t- you know, so I guess with, with the years of experience that you had, did it help you? How much did that help you with your approach to this event being that it's your home? Like I'm assuming you fish it most times of the year, but yeah, how did, you know, how did uh, you approach this event coming into uh, this first uh, Southern uh, division event? To be honest with you, I tried to throw, everything that i knew about it out the window because it's burned me in the past i just tried to fish it like a new body of water and uh just went fishing trying to look at new stuff that like i really ain't hit or stuff in years i didn't want to get spun out on just um past spots that i've had i didn't you know i've fished a bunch of tournaments and i'm always like well i've caught them here before i've caught them there before and it's it's burned me because it's always in the back of your mind and I just said I got to throw all that out of the window this tournament and see what uh see what I can come up with. Educate me because I, since I, I definitely like I said I'm from Wisconsin so I've never been on the Harris Chain. But how many how big is the stretch of water that you guys covered for this tournament? Because it seemed like you had a long run. But how many miles or how many acres uh, did you uh, does, did this event cover? Um, I really don't know the exact answer to that. I just know there's I know it took me. Without, with no idols, uh, with idle zones and everything like that, it, it was taking me around an hour and a half to two hours to get there if I didn't have to deal with waiting at the locks. Now, waiting at the locks is a whole different ball game. You had to wait. I waited one day, I think, an hour and a half, two hours at the locks, just sitting still. Um, 
I don't know the exact number of lakes. You would think I would. I lived here my whole life, but <laughs> I don't know the exact number. I just go fishing. You, really. you, you live there. There's no reason to have to count them. You just know what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can name them all, but I, I'd have to sit here and think about how many there are. <laughs> so what is it here? So. And it looks like based, uh, you made your decision, uh, well, I guess, you know, before, before you, you started the tournament, uh, going into your practice or even before practice, were, were you, you mentioned lake uses being your, uh, I guess your, uh, uh, lake of choice, but, um, and, but then you did say that you eliminated a lot of previous knowledge. So what a pre-tournament, what were the decisions that you made going into this event then? Like in terms of like, I'm going to fish here or like, you know, cause like, cause like I said, like you said there, it's, it's a pretty good amount of water that you had to tra traverse to get to your starting spot for day one. Yeah. I didn't even check where I fished the whole tournament until the last day of practice. I didn't check it, didn't do nothing. Um, I just went down there. I, I kind of knew the area the oak was okay, and I knew maybe this time of year it might be all right, but I, I, I've never really fished it. And I went down there and took two bites off. I never had a hook on at all when I went there. And I checked that spot, like I said, the day before the tournament and left. But I spent 90% of my practice in Eustis and – uh Beauclair and I kind of had it in the back of my mind that hey I need to make that long run if I'm gonna it's like I really do I know the caliber of fish that are down there and if you really look at most big tournaments not many big tournaments have actually fished they've fished down there and won like all three days they've always had extra spots so I always I, that was in the back of my mind too that I had to have more spots because down there where I was at in that lake one day could ruin them. You know what I mean? It, you just run out of fish. So I, I went down there, like I said, and checked it one day before the day before the tournament started, I checked those fish, got two bites and I knew, okay, they were pretty quick right off the bat. I got them. I, I figured they'd be some pretty decent fish. And then, uh, other than that, I spent most of my practice in the lake, like Eustis and Beauclair really just, idling around trying to find stuff offshore to fish that I could come back to or before if I got a bad boat number or anything like that. Now, was your present, uh, yeah, were you keen on spawning fish, like going into the event or, you know, based on what you were seeing uh, or because you mentioned uh, fishing offshore there too as a possible option or um, were you, or would you have to have been pretty open and flexible with fishing both pre-spawn and spawning fish? Uh, it was mostly my, honestly, my, my goal was to find pre-spawn fish. That was my goal all practice and looking at the weather and stuff like that. And just knowing how, how these fish were, I, I knew every single day a wave of fish was going to be pulling up every single day. The weather was just too good. And I tried to find pre-spawners and literally through practice, I caught a couple of good ones pre-spawning. And I came back the Monday before the tournament started to check those fish and they were gone. So right mm -hmm. then told me, okay, that they're, they're, they are moving up and they're, they're in a hurry moving up. So I, I, I would say, yeah, I was trying to target the pre-spawn, but then by the Monday afternoon and Tuesday before the tournament, I knew that 
I had to go find some spawning fish for sure. Does it happen that quick there? I mean, I know that with uh, with Florida, there, you know, there's a bigger window compared. Like for me up here in Wisconsin during the spawn, it could be just a few weeks depending on the uh, from going from post spawn to spawn to I mean pre spawn spawn to post spawn, uh, depending how you know the spring and the, uh, and that oh yeah the winter to the spring transition with the weather goes. But does it happen that quick, or is it just in the locations that you were uh, that you happen to pick for practice? Um, I really think that it was just that there was people catching spawning fish everywhere. Mm. It really was just like we had a full moon coming in that weekend and the weather was just, we we're on a serious warming trend and it was just getting better and better as the week went on until of course, Friday that we had a front come in Friday and it was everything you needed for them fish to go ahead. They were wanting to, they've been sitting there wanting to since I'd probably say middle of January, they've been sitting there wanting to come up, but they just ain't had the right setup of weather and the moon and everything hit just right. We hit it just perfect. So going, you mentioned you, you barely checked, I guess your primary spot for day one, but uh, in the end it was with Lake, you know, you got boat draw number two, if I remember correctly, and you decided to make that run to a Lake Apopka. So what, was it just a gut feeling with that with that decision uh, with doing that instead of a go or or was the other like part of your plan and then eventually um, at some point for day one I guess. My plan was <clears throat> really to go. I, I told myself if I got boat one through thirty, I was going down there. Okay. I I had a bunch of other spots down there that I shook fish off at, so I didn't really know where I was going to go. I, I decided where exactly I was going to go in the locks waiting. I was like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to start there in the morning. I yeah. got a good boat number. I, I already have the whole pick of the lake. I ended up being first through the locks. And that kind of set me off right there. It was like, all right, let me get down there. And I pulled up. I had, I had 21 pounds by 9.30 and I left. Hmm. and that was kind of sealed the deal on what I, what I was going to do. So I, I left them. I think they were, they were pulling in as I was there. Like they were definitely coming up. They were, they were spawning. And like I said, they really, I didn't get my first, I got there at like eight oh eight oh nine. I remember pulling up to get up on the trolling motor. I didn't get a bite till like nine o'clock. And then by like nine thirty nine forty five, I had the 21 pounds. And they were still coming up. And I literally pulled my cone there. I said, I'm sorry, man, but I'm going to try to save these fish for tomorrow. And we're going to go. And we went and fished all my other stuff, too. And I ended up culling up to 24. So let me ask you this. You get down there. You get the you get the area that you really wanted to start on first. You didn't stay there very long. I, I, I got to know, were there were there any other boats in that area? Were you Were you concerned that maybe someone else might come in there after you left? I mean... Yeah, of course. I mean, that's always in the back of my mind, but I figured by 9.30, I seen some boats. They were close, but I don't think they were fishing the way I was fishing. I mean, there were some boats I could see, but it's a little spot that I was in. No one really touched, so I just kind of eased on out, and there was boats coming in steadily, coming in, coming in. I could see them all. They were all fishing pretty close to me, but none of them were fishing how I was or what I was targeting in there, and I just felt confident that I, I felt confident that no one could go in there where I was at and catch them again. 
Of course, if you were in there just a short period of time, if they didn't see you catch those fish, they probably assume you didn't catch anything. Yeah, exactly. That was that was pretty much like I caught them so quick and early that there was still like I remember while I was talking with one of my buddies, and he didn't get through the locks till ten, and I almost went back through the locks at ten. <laughs> so I mean, they would a lot of boats never even seen me. You know, I after that I just went poking around, honestly, just kind of just fishing. And, uh, that, that, which that helped me. So, so obviously you got a, a quick start that morning. What was your bait of choice? First thing that morning? Uh, literally what I was throwing that Gary Yamamoto Cinco all day. That was it. I couldn't get him to buy anything else. Really. Any particular way you, you fish that you kind of dead sticking it or how were you actually working that bait? Yes. Really slow, like dead sticking it and just, putting the power poles down and just working every piece of cover that literally was in front of me. That was the biggest thing. You know, I look back at it now, I probably could have been more efficient and fished a little bit quicker if I would have used a push pole instead of my trolling motor. Cause it was taking so long to like, I'd have to go in there with a the trolling motor and let everything settle down and then go to fishing. And then like the first 10 minutes I'd fish, but you really, I don't think I caught a fish the first 10 minutes of my poles hitting the dirt. And then after that, they would, like, I think most of the time I caught most of my fish, I at least catch three or four without moving the poles up or down or nothing, not touching the trolling motor, just literally sitting there and just having to wait. It was like, you always had to go in there and let everything settle down and then start fishing. How, how deep were you fishing that, 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 you know, this commotion, whether it's from the trolling motor or from the power poles, that, that you had to factor that in? I mean, it sounds like you were fishing really, really shallow. Like, I'm assuming three to, you know, less than three feet maybe at most. Yeah, it was mostly anywhere between a foot to three foot. I think maybe four. There might have been some spots that were four foot, but most, I would probably say majority of it was three foot. What was so magical about this stretch? Because it seems like you had a very small stretch and then you methodically picked up a part, uh, I guess, an even smaller stretch of that small stretch. I think it what it was was just the bottom. The bottom was a lot harder than where everybody else was around me and stuff like that. You literally could go in there and you could feel the poles literally hit the ground and lift up the back of the boat. It was just super hard bottom compared i could go a hundred yards down the stretch and my pocket and the boat wouldn't get picked up in the back but where i was it was just like almost sounded like rock down there it was probably just a real hard shelly area is what i'm guessing it was it was just super hard super hard bottom so it was the, it was the prime spot in a large area so it just kind of it was kind of like a magnet pulling those fish to it Yep, exactly. They just like those fish knew what was the, the bottom was there, and it was just like I guess they just moved in every day into that spot. All right, so so obviously first day went really good. Got a quick start. Be able to get back, uh, you know, in time. Day two, you're not you, you don't have that early boat number anymore. Uh, what, what was your thought leaving leaving the, the dock on day two and knowing that's where you want to go and getting through the lock, trying to get down there, hoping no one else is in the area. What what was going through your mind? Um, Really, for some reason, day two, I was more relaxed. Day one, I was really, really, uh, oh, man, I was sick to my stomach and everything like that. 
day two, I kind of just went fishing because I knew, I said, you know what? It's going to take me two hours to get through the locks. I said, there's no point in me going down there wasting two hours of fishing time, just sitting there looking at everybody else. You know what I mean? So I just, I went to Lake Eustis and played around in Lake Eustis on some stuff I found in practice, ended up catching two fish and then, uh, waited till about 10 o'clock to head on down there. And I was totally fine. I walked through, I ended up walking through at 11 and, uh, got down there. And of course, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, there's going to be someone on there. There's going to be someone on my spot. I pulled up and no one was on my spot. And that was just, that was the biggest relief. And, you know, that day one, I caught him at between nine to nine forty-five, And here I'm at 11. They were chewing a lot better at 11. They, they, I pulled up and didn't have to wait that first hour. That was most painful waiting. They were already getting set up. They were moving in. They were already there. So that that I went there at 11 and really was able to catch them then, and that that made it a lot easier. What was your day two weight? 27. So do you remember off the, I, sorry, I should have I should have this pulled up. Do you remember what place you were in after day two? After day two, I'll send second. Okay. All right. Did you did you think that your weights would have gone up? I mean you caught twenty four on day one, but your weights went up, you know, a little bit on uh, 27, 20, uh, 27 two, I think it was for uh day two. But so did you think your weights would, would have stayed consistent from day one and day two? Even though you left, uh, you left them biting. I guess you say from day one. Day one, when I left, in my gut, I had that gut feeling that they are, they were there. Like I said, that they're really there. Like me, me and my co-owner, me and my co-owner said, "Man, he said, do you want to go back to that stretch?" He said, "They're they're really there. They're really getting there now." But you could see them moving the pads, and I said, "Uh." Nah, man. I said, I, I said we'll go. I said we'll go get your limit somewhere else. I said they're they're really moving up right now, and I gotta save them for tomorrow. I said tomorrow, you know, is cut day, and I said I'm gonna go in there and I'm catching everything. I'm not giving no slack. So I really thought that I should have went up and wait. Now you mentioned a, a co angler, and I, I I never done much in a in a pro co scenario, but just looking at that, like I'm assuming did. did did that co-angler, did, well, I guess this spot, you pretty much had to yourself. And then like you mentioned, to, you took you went somewhere else so that the co-angler could get his uh, his uh, limit in because I'm assuming you were letting him getting, uh, get any of this piece of the pie. Am I, am I correct with that? He, yeah, he got a little bit in there. Like I wasn't trying to, you know, front end him by no means. Okay. Um, but I just happened to be, I know I was just keyed in on what exactly they were doing. So I just caught my limit real quick and left on day one. And then that morning, you know, we only fit, we were there for a little over an hour and a half. And I, you know, like I said, I felt that I said, well, I know there's some stretches where we can still go catch some fish. And me and him went up there and he ended up catching a good bag too. I think he had 13 pounds out of the back of the boat too, day one. So that was pretty cool. So you're in second place day two, day three. Did you think that 
you know, not that you you were you, know, you were. I guess let me see what the actual total weight, the, the actual gap from day two to day one was. I had it pulled up here. Uh, you were actually no, yeah, you're just under a pound from first place. Um, did you think that day three that that spot would hold up, or I know you mentioned did did weather come into play? I think you mentioned about a, a possible like, I mean, not a cold snap, but uh, some possible weather potentially ruining your spot for day three. I I looked at the weather before I went to bed day three or day two and I seen the way the wind was blowing and I knew I was going to be okay. Okay. Or until about noon. And then I had I went down there like I said day three and I knew I had to catch them and catch them quick. And but I really knew that after about noon, the way the wind was going to blow, that I had no chance no more after that. I had, I had a small li- uh, window right there that I had to really catch them. Like, I couldn't miss one. I couldn't – no mistakes or nothing like that. So that was a little nerve-wracking. And then I remember I was working a fish. I knew she was on the bed. I remember working this fish. I missed her like four times, which I already had my limit. But I missed her like four times, and I went down to go get a new worm. And by the time I put the worm on the hook – we had like 18, I felt like 15, 18 mile an hour gust blowing in on me and the temperature dropped like 10 degrees and like wow. literally like five, it felt like five seconds, but probably about realistically five minutes. And that fish was gone. She, she was absolutely gone. So, well, you still caught a pretty good bag. I guess you, know, you caught 20 pounds and two ounces on uh, for day three. Did you feel that that was enough knowing that, you know, again, you know, it was a little bit below what you caught the last, I mean, the first two days, but did you feel that, you know, you were in contention with that day three bag going into weigh-in to take the win? I didn't think I was going to take the win. I mean, especially when you have, you know, Corey Johnson behind you, um, that, you know, that's scary. And then of course, Eric Panzeroni, which he was staying at my house, um, I knew he was on good caliber of fish, man. I really, I thought I needed 20. I told myself going out that morning, if I get 25 pounds in the boat, I feel like I have a good chance, but I have to have 25. When I had 20, I thought, okay, well, I should be in the top five. I did not think at all I'd win this. Hmm. Yeah, like, was part of that due to that cold snap that you mentioned, kind of playing in the back of your mind that it may have affected some of the, the fish that you were trying to key in and trying to hopefully... Uh, catch to make that win? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it hurt a lot of people. I mean, it was overcast, wind was blowing, raining. Um, I just happened to have, like I said, that little calm spurt in there that got calm and the sun kind of popped out for a little bit. And I just happened to get the the five right bites real quick. Mm -hmm. And that that was about it. But I really didn't think, I really didn't know with that, cold front coming through i knew like i knew that i only had about two hours that they were gonna bite so i i mean i knew that was coming and i knew that i had the chance to catch those fish but i mean i would have i would have thought that it would have been i thought i could have caught them through the through the cold front and stuff like that i didn't really think that it was gonna drop that quick and the wind blow that quick like i thought for sure i could have caught two more fish and then all of a sudden, it was literally like a night and day difference. So, so I mean, you, you obviously had a you know a great tournament. You won the tournament, but and you know 
competed against a lot of really good anglers. Toyota Series is is a really tough uh, tournament to win. Um, you run a Phoenix boat, you got the bonus money, you got a really good payday uh, off a of Toyota Series. What is your what is your plan for the rest of the year? Is the Toyota Series Southeast Division all you're fishing, or, or is there are there other divisions or, or other trails that, that you're going to be fishing? I'll be fishing the uh, BFLs here, the Gator Division BFLs, and then. Of course, the rest of the Toyotas, you know, my goal is the top five in the points and go fish the Invitationals next year is the goal. That's what I'm after now. Well, you, you've already qualified for the championship, the Urian championship. So that, that's a big deal uh, with that win. So that, you know, that, that, that pressure's off your back. But, but trying to finish top five is not an easy task. So you, you're still going to have a little bit of pressure on you, I guess. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Trust me, I, I'm already starting to think about what i need to do in okeechobee and stuff like that me and that lake don't get along too good but i'm trying to make that change this year hopefully that sounds like you need to kind of go into it with an open mind like you did harris jane and uh i, I yeah i think you if, if you do that and use your knowledge i think you'll you'll give yourself a, a a serious fighting chance yeah that's that's the plan that's what i'm planning on going down there and just going fishing like I did here, just putting every knowledge that I know from fishing Florida my whole life to work down there. I'm going to pick you in on one more thing, just because, you know, I'm not the greatest flipper, so but I, I kind of want to dive into this uh, logic because you mentioned earlier, you know, um, the, you know, being quiet, waiting X amount of time after, your, you know, trolling motor down and power pole down, but, uh, so that things calm down so the fish would, uh, you know, get situated again. But I, I noticed that you use braid and like I said, I'm not the greatest flipper, but I, I know with some guys, when it comes to braid, uh, some guys say it makes sound through the grass. I don't know if it's certain grass or whatever, but what was your logic with braids? Is it just because they added strength or did you, did, uh, like I said, I don't know if I'm overanalyzing it with thinking about that sound that braid makes on grass, but yeah, tell us me, tell me why you use braid, uh, during that, uh, during this event. Well, first, the water clarity and the cover that I was in wasn't the best. Like, the water clarity is not the best. Like, you couldn't see it. You could tell the fish were spawning, but you couldn't see the beds or anything like that. But the cover I was in, you know, it didn't really matter that much either because the cover was kind of thick. And plus, that Fitzgerald, I, I, I fished with a Fitzgerald braid, and to me, out of all the braids that I've flipped and messed with, that Fitzgerald braid is really quiet going through the grass and okay. lily pads and stuff like that. Like, especially through your eyes or your rods and stuff like that. It's really, really quiet. I, I've noticed that. I feel like that's a big, big key is that it's not as rough. It's a lot more like smooth feeling. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm not the greatest, but like I said, I figured like I said, I, I, I like taking a little bit of information and just try, try to understand it, but, you know, and, and hopefully make it work in my end. But I just found that that was quite, quite interesting based on uh, what the line choice and then with everything else that you factor into your overall presentation. So cool. But yeah, I did. I mean, I did practice use fluorocarbon, but then I got to where I was down there and I said, well, oh, this cover is way too thick. I, I know that they'll bite with braid too. It didn't really matter. But I, I was a thing. The, the the key there is you you want to you want to help kind of put the odds in your favor. So yeah. you're obviously targeting large large fish, 
So if you can get away with the braid, certainly that's not a bad way to go because it increases your odds of actually getting those fish in the boat when they do bite. A hundred percent. I know it lives down there. And, uh, I, I, my first five or six flips to day one, I was flipping with 25 pound fluoro. And I told myself, it's the, my, it was another gut feeling. I was just like, God, if I hook, hook a big one in this, I just fluoro, I'm just scared. I said, let me just flip with the braid for a little while and see if I don't get no bites. But during practice, I shook my fish off with fluoro. Okay. But I well, let me try it with braid. Just, just you know, that sense of feeling in the back of your mind that I got braid on, he ain't gonna break me. <laughs> well, definitely, congratulations on that win, Kenny. Uh, we thank you so much for your time. I know that uh, you know uh, it's very like Kenneth said. I know Kenneth's fishing some of the the Toyota series, uh, and you know it's not the easiest. It's a very competitive field out there, and uh, I don't. I think it's like a two hundred sixty some odd you know, angler fields. There's a lot of people that you're competing against, but definitely congratulations on the win. Uh, good luck with the rest of the season and thank you for taking your time and spending it with us today. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys having me on here and I, I thank y'all again. All right. Good luck and safe travels this year. All right. Thank you. All right. All right there you have it again, the Toyota series, Southern Division winner on the Harris chain, Kenny Steverson. Um, again, he caught a pretty good bag. You know, I, I'm definitely envious with the type, the type of quality he was catching. Uh, definitely, those that that's those are bags that I get lucky to ever see myself in, in one day or maybe two days of fishing up here. But uh, definitely, he sounds like a young guy because just looking at his uh, major league fishing stats, he doesn't have many tournaments on that particular. Um, on that stat sheet there so he sounds like he's a pretty young at least it looks like it's a pretty young guy but uh yeah with definitely a lot of you know we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season plays but definitely with uh at least a lot of a decent decision making on this uh uh rather difficult event well I, i'm starting to see a pattern develop with we've me? done we've done two interviews with two tournament winners this year mm -hmm. i'm starting to see a pattern develop here what's that okay. Guys that are that are um, kind of catering their technique for tournament day into more of bigger fish patterns, maybe not not as many bites, but slowing down in certain areas and maybe maybe going after um, better than average quality. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of guys struggle with that decision when they fish tournaments. Their first thing they think of is, man, I got to I got to put fish in a boat. I, I got to try to find keepers. If if I can find an area in practice where I know I can pull in and catch keepers, that you know it makes me feel feel better. It makes my day go better. The problem with that mentality is you spend a lot of time doing that, and if that if that doesn't pan out, then you're you're kind of you know you're you're left struggling the rest of the yeah. day. These guys that are that are not scared of maybe having a slower bite, but know that when they do get bit, it's it's a better than average quality fish. Those are the guys that are actually giving themselves the opportunity to to be in a situation where they can win the tournament yeah you, you can't fish scared no even like what he was like with what kenny was saying with day two like i'm surprised that you know um, knowing me i mean i've never fished a multi-day event but knowing who how i am like even catching that quality of a bag i might slip like can i can i do this for day two can I make the day two cut? But he, like he said in the interview, he was rather calm and uh, knowing that he was later 
really late, I guess, in the in the in the schedule, uh, trying to get to his spot, being that now, now being the second boat on day one. Now he's at the tail end. So I was surprised at how calm he was going into day two. Yeah, and and I, I mean, obviously, we're looking back on it, so it's it's yep. it's easy to it's easy to judge his you know his decision. But that that was that may have been the the best decision he made all week was the fact that he took his time getting down there because it obviously paid off when he got there. Yeah, but he he was probably in a lot better state of mind mentally doing that instead of stuck in traffic trying to get through that lock and having to sit there and think about that spot that whole time. Yeah, sometimes that can that can spin you out mentally, and you get there and you're just you know you're toast already. But yeah. I, I I think that that may have been the biggest key decision that he made all week. Yeah. Well, and and with it being his home lake too, you never know when. Even though he said that, you know, he he tried to get rid of all the all the history. Sometimes that's still, you know, uh, fishing home lakes or lakes that you have a lot of history on. It, it's hard to fight off what you know, no matter how good or how bad it is. You know, so for him to fight all that stuff and have that be uh, have it contribute to a win, you know, that that takes that shows some level of maturity, whether by whether it's. Uh, by accident and he stumbled across it or is this a, a sign of him maturing into a, into a, a, a better angler so yeah yep all right so with that it's time for me and kg to pull up the trolling motor and head up to our next spot so while we do that please take a listen to a word from our sponsors with so many exclusive designs and processes, no other boat is built like Ranger. It's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features, more performance, and the best value. The Ranger Fisherman Series. From bow to stern, this is results-based engineering at its best. Still building legends, one at a time. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visit lakehartwell.com. Welcome to the final segment of the show brought to you by Trickstep. And as I said before, if you don't have a, have a Trickstep and you're climbing into the boat the old-fashioned way, uh, make sure you visit trickstep.com to make sure that they help you look good getting into and out of the boat and maybe reduce some falls, especially during the slippery time of the year with water freezing and stuff like that as you back in and out of the boat uh, at the ramps there. But uh, just a few results we're going to look at from this past weekend. Uh 
Uh, we already mentioned we had the Toyota Series winner on the Harris chain, Kenny Steverson. He uh, won that event with a total of 71 pounds and 13 ounces over three days of fishing, beating Eric Panzeroni uh, by seven pounds and six ounces. So a pretty hefty size well, gap there. Again, um, as you mentioned in the interview, there was things that kind of... Uh, Played into his favor by chance, but uh, definitely a good win there. Uh, but there was another Toyota event uh, that happened this past weekend on Lake Havasu. And winning that event with 60 pounds and 14 ounces over three days of fishing was Todd Klein. Uh, an event that happened over the weekend on in your neck of the woods, and I believe you were there. I'm not sure. Did you fish this event, KG? I, I did not fish it. Okay. Uh, but was the, I guess, uh, what used to be the Rattle Trap event, which is now the called the battle the first battle of the brands uh which is a gsm so that's with yamamoto bill lewis uh buckeye lures, buckeye lures and steel shed and steel and so it's that umbrella they, they had their i guess inaugural event under this whole acquisition on well, gunners well te yes. technically technically it was it was the second battle of the brands they had one on uh, sam rayburn uh, okay. a couple weeks ago oh okay but it was it was it was the first time on Gunnersville. Uh, okay. they, this this had been the rattle trap. It would have been the twelfth year for the rattle trap tournament. Okay, but uh, because the combination of those brands, it became the the battle of the brands. So it was the first time on Gunnersville. Okay, thanks for the coverage. I didn't know. I, I just see first. I'm like I I, I didn't <laughs> read all the details, but uh, but that was on Gunnersville, uh, one of your uh, home bodies of water there. But winning that event, Tristan Abbott and Christian Nash caught twenty three ninety one to take the win there. Uh, is that a good weight for this time of year, or is that above below average? I know it's a bit. Well, you know, Gunnersville's a, a really tricky fishery, man. It, yep. it can fish really good for a couple of days. It can fish really tough for a few days. You just don't know which days those are going to be. Uh, you know, it depends on the timing of these fronts to come through. We get fronts consistently this time of year. But I, I knew I'd been on the water some here recently. And I knew mm -hmm. we were kind of in a in a bit of a tough period. About three weeks ago, fishing was really good. It would okay. have taken a lot more weight, but we've kind of hit a little period here where it's gotten a little bit tougher. Uh, water conditions are not ideal for okay. this time of year. Um, it is supposed to warm up a little bit this week, so I, I think it'll turn back on in the next uh, week or two. Okay, but uh, yeah, no, I, it was it was a bit of a tough a tough deal. So these guys really showed out. I I, I was impressed with uh, the amount of uh, weights over twenty pounds that were brought in. Uh, they also paid three big fish, and I'm pretty sure it took over over eight on all three of them, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that we had kind of seen go away a bit on Gunners for the last several years. It's, it's the big fish. Okay. So, uh, you know, that that's good to see. So, I, I think the lake is coming back. It's just, it, it's more weather-driven right now, okay. uh, you know, to, to kind of kind of hurt that just a little bit. Okay. Still, still, a lot of guys caught fish. I mean, it was it was a good tournament for for the conditions. Yeah. I mean, 2391 to me sounds pretty good, but again, you know, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean that that that's a that's a good weight anytime. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really is. But but the, I mean, the lake is the lake is capable of giving up, you know, high twenties. Uh, but you just do, have to have good, really good conditions for that. Do you know what what lure? Because I'm assuming you had to use a lures from that particular umbrella. But do you know what was the winning lure or lures for that event I, off the top of your head? I am pretty sure that those guys said they used predominantly rattle traps. Oh wow! Okay. Um, 
And if I remember right, I actually I think that when they came in, they were they were probably mid range on the flights. Uh, it okay. seems like when they came in that they said that that they really caught most of them late. Um, oh wow! Okay, late late in the day that they were kind of struggling most of the day, and they kind of got in an area where they really got hot late in the day. Okay, but uh, it, there was a, there were a lot of a lot of different baits used um, because that was one of the questions that they asked. Uh, Boy Duckett and uh, Fletcher Schrock was doing the MC duties, and okay. because it is Battle of the Brands, uh, that's one of the things that they would ask them is you know what did you catch them on? Because historically we've with it's always been rattle traps. The key was well what what color? Yeah. But we still heard a lot of rattle traps, a lot of versions of red. Okay. Were very popular. Uh, you know, occasionally we'd hear a shad pattern, but it was predominantly red. But then I heard the MR6, the M- MR12, um, uh, the uh, SB57, which is their square bill, uh, and even okay. the new eight, the new ATV, which is their new square bill. Um, several guys were, were throwing those as well. Uh, and you know, pretty neat. They, they had registration the the night before, Saturday night at um, Gunnersville Middle School. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gunnersville Tackling Outdoors, uh, who's very well known in this area. They've got two locations. They've got the GTO there uh, right outside of Gunnersville and then Waterfront. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually had tables set up with all the new baits on it. So anglers can okay. come through it and, and purchase. They were giving them, you know, good prices on that. And they were able to purchase all the baits. But they had the new scope stick. You know, these, a okay. lot of the, you know, uh, Bill Lewis and Yamamoto both had quite a few lures that were introduced during ICAST. Yeah. And they're they're just now getting out to the public. So the scope stick was new. The ATV square bill was new. They're all ICAST stuff. The uh, Yamamoto Yamacrawl, they had quite a few of those there. That was from ICAST. The, the uh, Bill Lewis scope stick was there. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a, you know, you know a lot of new baits that were introduced in, I- in ICAST. Now's the time that anglers can actually put them to use and, and yeah. really put, you know, test them out and see how they work. And uh, it was pretty interesting to, to hear, you know, the wide variety of what anglers were using to, to catch fish this, this week, past weekend. Yeah. I figured maybe somewhat like the theme with our guests today. I, I mean, again, with me, I'm thinking cold water, maybe like, again, maybe cause again, this time of year, obviously, well, just, you know, in February, I'm not fishing open water at all, but I figured it might've been something a little bit slower, like the Senko or something like that. That might've come into play, but you know, again, um, if, if the rattle trap event has, has always been during this time of year, then it does make sense why a rattle trap would be a strong player, if not the key player. So I, I did hear a couple of guys say they were throwing the Senko, uh, you know, Buckeye makes a spot remover jig head. They were throwing sure. the Senko on the spot remover and catch some oh, okay. fish. But, but this time of year, even when the water in the water temps, the, We've had cool mornings and it would warm up a bit and, you know, in the afternoon, but our water temps have been in the 48 to 50 degree range, mm-hmm. uh, which is a little bit cooler than what it had been. Uh, okay. You know, we, we'd been in kind of mid fifties for quite a while. Uh, so this is kind of maybe the, 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 the cooler end of oh, okay. what it has been. Okay. But the, man, they'll, you get, you get an area where they're somewhat active. They'll, they, a moving bait triggers the reaction that's kind of what you have to do right now is trigger trigger the okay. bite okay and sometimes when of course you know we got a lot of eelgrass there is some hydrilla uh, some pretty good hydrilla in certain places but it's almost like you have to call those fish out of that grass I, I think they really they really tuck into that grass a lot and the moving baits with some sound the vibration really kind of pulls them out of that grass okay makes a lot of sense 
especially this, you know, again, like you said, during this time of year, I could definitely see that because if they're trying to, if they need something to kind of warm up that, that grass kind of keeps that water temp a lot more consistent versus being out in the open water there. So that makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. And, and, but it also proves that timing, timing has a lot to do with it. I mean, you know, the guys that won, they didn't catch fish till late in the day. And timing is a big deal. When you, when you get in an area where these fish kind of get a little bit more active and they're more willing to chase your baits and, you know, hunt the bait down, it's, you know, it's like you turn the light switch on and all of a sudden you can go from having a really tough day to all of a sudden, you know, five bites and you have what you need. Yeah. Uh, so some people don't believe in luck. I'm not saying I'm going to believe in luck, but it's one of those, it's, it's one of those perfect timing, you know, right place at the right time and things just magically work out that way. Well, but you know, sometimes you have to kind of make your own luck. You, you yeah. still have to, you still have to be prepared to, to yeah. take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. Uh, you, you still have to make decisions throughout the day to give your, increase your odds of getting an area where you can't have that luck. So yeah, you know, it's not all luck. There is a lot of preparation and things that you can do. Oh yeah. To, to, to kind of give yourself the opportunity to to be in that situation. Yeah. And what I mean by luck too is that like you just magically show up <laughs> ran, ran, you know go go pick a random spot on a Gunnersville and say, I'm gonna go fish here. But you know, it's one of those I, where I'm, I'm sure that happens from time to time. <laughs> but knowing me, I, knowing me though, out of the both those definitely I I might have to approach it that way because I'm not I'm not a uh what is it? I'm not the greatest at it, but but uh, yeah, so uh, wrapping up with one more event here is the Carolina Bass Challenge. Uh, the Marshall Marine Division, they were out on Lake Murray and winning that with 2691. And they also had a 713 Big Bass was a team of Brad Rutherford and Kevin Malone. So congratulations to them. And then looking at this weekend here, uh, looking at a few events that's coming up this weekend. Again, I promise you guys, I am trying to get as many of these events added uh, to our calendar. But we've got the Georgia Bass Trail South Division. They're going to be on Seminole this coming Saturday. The Bass Champs East uh, team or East Division, they're going to be on Toledo Bend, which I believe had a, um, which has been producing pretty decent bags lately. The Wild West Bass Trail, they're also fishing Saturday. The Northern California teams, they'll be on Lake Oralville. The Tennessee Team Trail, they'll be out on Lake Cherokee. And wrapping up uh, one of the other uh, many events this week uh, as a work week for KG, uh, Alabama, the Alabama Bass Trail, the North Division, will be on Lewis Smith Lake this Saturday. And... What's up, KJ? You know, first you you mentioned Lake Fork. Uh, if I remember right, did wasn't Lake there a BFL Fork. on Lake Fork this past weekend? Uh, let me see. Uh, no, I, I mentioned Lake Fork. Uh, I mentioned Toledo Bend, but oh, let me double- oh. But I think that I, I saw there was an event on Toledo Bend this past weekend where there was a big. Uh, yeah, that's okay. That's what race. I'm thinking of. I just had the wrong lake. It was Toledo Bend. Yeah, it was. Yeah. A, it was a BFL. I think the guy weighed in the largest fish ever weighed in during a BFL. Thir- yeah, I think thirteen something. He set two records or something like that. You know, now that now that now that you're saying, I'm going to, have to pull it up here. Give me just a second here, because then I remember reading it. I had it in my notes, and then my notes got changed here. But let me pull that up because I know again, if you want to see some of these this information too, it should be up on our website under the results section. Uh, that's where most of these uh, results that I'm getting are posted in some way. Uh, if not, uh, if you don't see it and you want to see it here, and you are someone that either fishes a particular uh, was it a particular tour or um or a turn a tournament director uh email me d shong d x i o n g at anglerchannel.com let me see here but what set of it uh yes 
It wasn't Toledo Ben. Let's see what. So Cody Pitt, he caught it's a cumulative. So that it reads here, all time MLF Toledo Ben cumulative weight record five bass limit weighing thirty nine pounds and fifteen ounces. So just one ounce shy, maybe it spit out a a, a half a, a claw or or the 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 tail of a of a shad or whatever. But uh, what was it? So yeah, so he set that record with thirty nine pounds and fifteen ounces, winning that event by a eight pound one ounce margin. And what was the other tier? I'm pretty sure that his big fish was thirteen something, and it's the largest fish ever weighed in a BFO. Yeah, I'm just gonna scroll down here again where I read that. Where is it? Which, here? which if you really think about it, the amount of BFL tournaments that, that there has been, and some of the lakes that they're on, that's that's pretty remarkable to to have that record. Toledo Ben, I for that I'm surprised, but even like I guess the one that I'm always surprised, you know, as I, um, you know, what was it? Is uh, Sam Rayburn with the amount of what was it? yeah it, it fluctuates but it's it seems like you got to have at least almost a, a mid-20s back to even hopefully potentially sniff you know possibly making a, a a decent check or if not you know getting a good uh a good finish in an event so that was one uh one like that i always see that i'm like wow they always produce good uh, good weights out there or consistent good weights regardless of the pressure but uh i know toledo ben gets up there too but uh, i am surprised with uh because looking at uh, yeah, so Cody, he caught 39-15, but second place was, you know, 31-14. So those two guys had a pretty good gap between the in first and second versus the third place, which had only 23-2. And I say only to make it sound as if that's not a lot, but compared to, uh, especially with Cody from first to third, it's almost, first place has almost close to double what um, third place has. So, yeah, that's yeah, well, a pretty... When, when you're catching 13-pounders, it kind of, it pads the numbers <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> But yeah, it's like you said, making your own luck, you know, being the right space right. And, and executing. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't mean to get you sidetracked there. I just, no. I just thought that was worth mentioning. That, to me, that that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, no, I, I had it in my notes, and for some reason, I'm you know, knowing me, I probably lost it and, and overrode it somewhere. But, but no, yeah, there, there, you know, fishing starting to pick up everywhere too. So I, I know that, like, with, um, what was it like last week? It was we had a pretty good cold snap the last few weeks but winter for the most part has been we got snow too but like this week i think it, the, the weather's gonna warm up here and it looks like i know some people that fish up in like sturgeon bay that ice fish uh ice is bringing people people are left stranded on ice and getting rescued so i like i figured you know for me i'm like uh maybe because i've been around you and chris for too long so my 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 blood's getting a little bit you know envious of that warmer weather so i'm looking forward to that maybe it's a sign you know with this warm trend that at least for the next week or so that uh, that we'll get open water up here soon too but <laughs> hopefully for your sake i couldn't handle it <laughs> but yeah so but yeah definitely any results that you have or uh any calendar that you feel you know again i'm i'm chipping away at it uh i'm the only one now that's doing most of it now so i, I am promising i'm promising i'm getting to it as much as i can but uh, share that information with me, results or tournament schedules at dshowingandanglerchannel.com. And I'll make sure I get those posted, especially the results. Like I always say, uh, could be very simple 
first, second, third. And if you got a quick picture, even off all your, even off, even off of your phone and uh, share that with me and I'll get it posted on our website. But um, with that, we turn to the news and notes section of the, uh, the show here and a little bit quieter compared to last week, but I know last week we were making up for uh, a weekend that we weren't recording, but uh, a little bit quieter, but uh, still some pretty good announcements that came out this week. Uh, first one is the NPFL. They officially announced that they have 76 anglers that signed up. I'm not sure if that's still open to any last minute registrations, being that their first event is, let me check my notes here. The first event is, yeah, March 12th on Pickwick. So a little over a month away as we record this. So I'm not sure if that, if that number can potentially grow, but 76 anglers. Uh, and I'll quickly go through that list here. There are some, a, a good amount of returnees from last year or the last few years, but their official 2023 field as of our recording is Baron Adams, Gary Atkins. That should be their angle of the year from last year. TR Andreas, Charlie Apperson, Stuart Arthur, Hunter Bowman, Daniel Blackert, Michael, Michael Brewer, Brian Brooks, Nick Brown, Tim Kales, Quentin Capo, uh, Keith Carson, Douglas Chapin, Brant Cochran, Sheldon Collings, Michael Como, Richard Cooper, uh, Mike Corbishley. Uh, I don't know which one's which, but there's John Cox and there's John Cox. So there's the John Cox from that's one's always from Florida and ones from Georgia. <laughs> We're roughly from the same area, more or less, same region of the country, but um, uh, one that's always fished with them in the past and one that's um, uh, the fish is everything. Yeah. <laughs> so it looks like I, again, um, I appreciate you'll touch upon this in a few minutes, but he's one of the guys like, again with him. And I know, uh, what was it? Uh, his buddy, Keith Carson, uh, they're both fishing, uh, the NPFL, uh, Kyle DeLong, Billy Doyle, Michael Alls or Ailes. I don't know if this is spelled incorrectly. Mitchell, El Mitchell, Elsie, Louie or Louis Fernandez, Bradley Fetters, Jeff Fitz, to Todd Goad, Billy Hackworth, Hayden Hammond, Will Harkins, Chip Harrington, Brian Hatfield, Stephanie Hemphill Pellerin. I think that's the only female uh, angler that signed up for their league. Jeff Hodges, Charlie Ingram, Travis Jewell, Ron Johnson, Robert Keck, Richard Key, Scott Lindstrom, Matt Looney. Stuart Martell, Lendell Martin, Kevin Martin, Matt Massey, Daniel McGahey, Ronald Nelson, I'm mean, sorry, Regan Nelson, Jordan Nettles, Lane Olson, Trent Palmer, Brandon Pess Perkins, uh, John Polacini, Timothy Reams, Jason Reyes, former FOW angler, uh, where am I here? Daryl Robertson, Kevin Rogers, and Angel Rosario. Ryan Satterfield, Adam Savage, Craig Saylor, Mark Schilling, Dustin Smith, Brad Staley, Randy Sullivan, Landon Tucker, Patrick Walters uh, from the Elite Series there, Josh Watkins, Mitchell Webb, Danny Weems, let's see, Danny Weems, Larry Wilcher Jr., Dustin Wilkie, Jason Wilson, Jesse Wise, and Michael Yoder. So that's the official 76 anglers, but I mentioned there are some guys that are dabbling in this and other series. 
But I guess the question uh, now that we've kind of talked about it is uh, how many guys uh, that, especially guys that fish multiple series, which I don't know if any of these other guys besides the guys that fished MF, uh, was it BPT, Invitationals, and the Elite Series, if they're fishing anything else outside of uh, NPFL. But I guess is how many of these guys are going to be, how many of these 76 will be consistently at all six events of this year? I guess time will tell. I had haven't really taken the time to try to compare the schedules to see what conflicts there really are. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, if they signed up, you would think they're at least considering fishing majority of them. Yeah, and, and, and I forget how much the I think a lot of us like I want to say it was like fifty six hundred bucks. I forget what the entry fee was for each event. But again, you know, it's only six events. The schedule's pretty pretty spaced out which again when they first created this uh tour uh it was catered to the working man uh so it was more spaced out so you didn't have to worry about like you know um being gone from work in a in a big chunk of the year or in a small chunk of the year i guess you could say but a hundred thousand dollar payout for first place and uh the 2023 angle of the year also wins an extra twenty thousand dollars at the end of the year with their entry fees paid for for the 2024 uh, season so um again pretty hefty payday for uh for uh, that size of a field uh yeah which i think is smaller than what their goal was when they started yep. so i'm curious to see the rest of the payday i, I think all that they've given us is they're going to pay that for first place. So I'm, I'm yeah. really curious to see how many places they pay and what, what that payout's going to be. Yeah. I imagine it, it was advertised as a, you know, before uh, registration, I guess, opened up late last year. So I think it'd be kind of hard for them to walk back on that, you know, at least a hundred K first place, but definitely um, with a way smaller field, I don't know if it was 125 or 150 was their goal. Um, but regards whether it's 50 percent or about 45 i'm sorry about 60 percent of their uh goal um you you'd assume that the other places would uh that there's gonna be a significant pickup versus what their projected outlook would have been uh with the full field so yeah uh another tournament news uh Humminbird and Minkota announces their first owners tournament. Uh, that is the week of, let me make sure I have the right date. It's June 3rd to the 4th on Pickwick Lake there. And it, they're teaming up with the guys that run the Big Bass Tour. So it's going to be that same Big Fish format. But uh, $50,000 grand prize with hourly payouts with a total prize amount value of over $150,000. And from what I was able to research, I don't know if there's any more finer, you know, finer details I didn't see, but it looks like all you got to do is own a piece of Minn Kota or Humminbird equipment on your boat. So it isn't safe that it's got to be like with, with like a lot of stuff in, in, in most cases, it's got to be something very, very recent. So I could be completely wrong, but just from the, even on the uh, webpage here, it doesn't state what I see here. Um, I didn't see anything that specified, let me see, that it had to be a, you know, like something very, very recent. All it says here is under the event participation and eligibility, each boat owner, quote, captain must own either Minn Kota product and or one Humminbird product, trolling motor, shallow water anchor, electronics, and or battery charger. Uh, and then each uh, each captain is allowed to be accompanied by two participants who are not owners of either a Minn Kota or Humminbird product. 
each captain will be checked by a tournament official on site for such products. And actually, it doesn't state what those products are. So maybe if you got like you know a, a generation or two older unit, maybe or whatever, or um, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be the uh, necessarily a Ultrix. It could be a Maxim or something like that. So it seems like as long as you're you own some type of one of those, an event. I'm sorry, a, a piece of equipment from Hummingbird or Mancota, you can definitely sign up to uh, fish this event. So interesting and you know again because uh but definitely uh looking forward to that one again again that like i said it's, it's a big bass style format but uh two days of fishing and entry fees are if you're doing one day is one uh, 125 dollars per angler so again that's up to three anglers in a boat so 125 dollars for one day per angler or two days is 175 dollars per angler so if you want more details make sure you check out mincotaowners.com for additional details for that or you can check up our website for the news release for that and the link is there as well um, it sounds like it's a pretty much a typical a big bass tour format what they would typically yeah. do with the, with their other tournaments yeah the only difference here is you have to own one of those uh a, a piece of of product from one of those manufacturers in order to to be able to enter yeah and i, and I think if i read it right uh, only like if you've got two anglers per boat only one of the anglers you know whoever has the boat has to have that product your yeah. co-angler whoever's fishing with them they don't have to have uh, you know the the product, so it's, it's no. what, whatever you're fishing out of. At least one of those products has to be yeah on board. So it, it makes it you know, especially with in most cases team tournaments are what two two total anglers. With this case, it's up to three. So if you got you know someone who's not as interested in, uh, as, as into fishing, or you got someone who wants to fish tournaments, but you never have another space because in most in most cases team tournaments are limited to you could uh, definitely bring one more person on board and and make it a fun event. So, but like you said. Um, just as long as the boat owner has uh, one of the uh, a Minn Kota or a Hummingbird uh, equipment on that uh, participating boat, uh, you could definitely sign up. Uh, again, $50,000 first price, uh, overall grand prize, and then uh, they're giving away through second through fifth, you can win a, an Ultra 52-inch trolling, I'm sorry, 52-inch Ultrax trolling motor for those, uh, for, as those um, uh, overall placements for second through fifth. And first week of June on Pickwick, she's look pretty good. Good, good time to fish Pickwick. Smallmouth play. Um, uh, it, well, it, smallmouth will probably win some money, but it won't. It won't win overall. Okay. Okay. Let's see here, other news. Uh, partner of the show, Ranger Boats. They announced their pro lineup uh, from the Bass Pro Tour and the Elite Series. Uh, representing Ranger on the Bass Pro Tour is Stephen Browning, Mark Daniels Jr., Brent Ayler, Jeremy Lawyer, Elton Jones Sr., Jordan Lee, Skeet Reese, Wesley Strader, and Brian Thrift. And then on the Elite Series side, you've got Matt Airy, Todd Auten, Keith Combs, Michael Frazier, Chris and Corey Johnston. Jonathan Kelly, Kobe Krieger, Brian Schmidt, Joey Webster, and it's the 2021 Angler of the Year, Clark Winlet. Was it 2020 now? But former Angler of the Year, Clark Winlet. Those are the uh, Ranger Boats representatives on the Bass Pro Tour and the Elite Series. And then, as I guess with the theme of the show, with uh, our, you know, with the Harris chain and everything, um, I think we may have shared with it, uh, shared it uh, in our group text as well. But uh, I guess there was an official 
uh, again, I don't know if this is a prototype or or what or, or pre pre a final pre production model, but a powerful trolling motor was cited on Chris. It looks like Chris Johnson's book over the during the Harris Chain event. So it looks like that may be getting released this year. I know it's been years since um there were the the rumors of a power pole trolling motor being out there and i know obviously the pandemic and then all the chaos that created that um threw a bunch of uh i guess you could say wrenches into the plans there but it looks like power pole has um at least there's been an official sighting of that trolling motor so um is there room for uh, an extra trolling motor on the market kg or is there, are they a little bit too too little too late you know um I guess there's always room um, for a competitor in the market. I, I, I've heard all kinds of rumors of price and and how the thing's made and all that. But, that, you know, time will tell. Your trolling motor is kind of something on your boat that guys get real particular about. Yep. Um, yep. You know, you you you, you kind of have foot memory on, on how the foot pedal is and what you get used to. There's certain things about trolling motors that you kind of like or don't like. So, it may be hard for them to kind of uh, get into it quickly, um, but if the product ends up being a really good product, um, you know the PowerPole name is you know very well known. So, yeah. you know they'll they'll have a chance. It'll be interesting to see how it's you know how it comes into the market. Um, I, I will say this: it's just like we're seeing in you know boats and other things. Mm -hmm. The the more the price goes up, the easier it is for for companies to bring in new product. But from what I understand, this it's it's not it's gonna be up there in price. So so when you say up there, is it competitive competitively priced or is it gonna be at least based on speculation that or is it gonna be maybe above it, it, what's it, currently it's out gonna there? it will push the higher end. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Cause well yeah, because I guess you could say like and, and and look it's it's probably no more than it's 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 Look, it's supply and demand. I mean, that's oh, sure. what makes the world go around. If yeah. you know, I, I I I hate to assume, but I'm going to assume that at this point in time, they're not set up to manufacture a large number of them. Sure. So uh, obviously, the 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 smaller your quantities are, the 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 more you hold your price up. Um, so that that's probably that's probably going to drive it as much as anything. Yeah. And, and, and like, like the other two, cause I guess before for quite a while, um, the last what 15, 20 years or so, I, I don't know how, how much further back to be accurate, but, uh, I know for a while it was, uh, what was it? Motor guide in Minkota. And then obviously what uh, was it four or five years ago with, uh, Garmin and Lawrence coming on board, I'm assuming that whatever power pole comes up with, it's going to be along the lines of what, the approach by the Lowrands and uh, Garmin were, where they only have that particular model for now. So time will tell whether or not they have more more lower price options for the moment, but I'm assuming it, with this one, they're going to take the similar approach, go with the higher end, and then see how things play, and then eventually focus on other uh, options, possibly down, later down, sometime later down the road. What will hurt them most, more than anything, is their ability to uh, communicate with uh, electronics. So, they, sure. you know, they do not currently have any kind of a, you know, grav GPS or, or electronics. So um, that, you know, that's probably going to hurt them because, you know, we, we we obviously see that with uh, with Minkota, the one boat network with Humminbird. Yep. You know, the, the Lawrence Trello motor, same thing. You can run them on, you know, on the Lawrence units as well. So that that's probably going to make it 
you know, the, the toughest to get in the market. And, yeah. and you can almost say, well, motor guides in that same situation, but they're really not because they do, they're part of Navco. So they're technically they're yeah. the same under the same umbrella as Laurent. So they yeah. do communicate with Laurent's units. So uh, unless they're doing something that I'm not aware of, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how how they'll handle that aspect of it is how do they communicate with with the current electronics? Yeah, the only thing, yeah, because the only I guess for for guys that do use them, the only thing that would have uh, that that might have, that they would actually be able to to integrate in terms of a network type system is uh, the power poles in the end. The actual the shallow water anchor is probably. I'm assuming there might be some maybe to eliminate. Uh, or, you know, maybe streamline or whatever, or eliminate stomp pedals if people, which I, I know some guys probably still prefer having stomp pedals, but maybe seeing some type of integration with yeah, the- and, with, and PowerPole already does that with other manufacturers. I can yeah. I can do that with my trolling motor. Oh, okay. So, but yeah, so, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I'm assuming with the, if things are going well, uh, not with just, what was it? Not, not with just production, but in terms of, uh, testing pre-production stuff, whatever that it might be a uh, a possible Bassmaster Classic release. Maybe not not uh, maybe not release, but more unveiling. Because uh, with that being a little over a month and a half away, um, I could see where they might be trying to get things going and try to at least have something uh, out there as well. So for for that particular event, uh, maybe even Red Crest, but I could be wrong. So um other than that uh, i know that we did have a story and i'm going to ask kg this but uh we did get a story from fellow uh uh from dynamic sponsorships um alan mcguckin or as everyone likes to call him guck uh, but we did have a story that got shared uh about uh you know gerald swindle you know he's um i guess you could say a bit seasoned you know, he's definitely not one of the the young up and comers uh, on the elite series anymore. But uh, uh, I guess he was inspired by by fellow elite series pro Arl Jockamson. But he started taking up this cold water therapy. You know, where you see athletes, you know, they they dump a bunch of ice into a tub of water and then they immerse themselves to kind of hopefully help with like swelling and body recovery. Um, is that something that you would consider doing the KG? I don't know if that's something where, I mean, you fish multiple day events. So, or uh, even, no, I guess the, uh, that's an easy answer. No, <laughs> but I don't, yeah. I don't like being cold. So why would, <laughs> why would I purposely jump in why, an uh, ice cold tub of water? Well, you know, anglers are always looking for some, some quote unquote magical you know, some magic bean or something like that to help us give, give us that, you know, psychological edge when it comes to compet uh, competing on the water. So, David, you know, David, I, I'm so out of shape. It wouldn't matter anyway, <laughs> but if you're so out of shape, maybe this might eliminate having to exercise, but no. dipping yourself for a few minutes. That's, in a that's what I'm saying. It wouldn't do me any good. There's other <laughs> things I need to do way before I worry about an ice bath. <laughs> Uh, but definitely check out that story. I, I don't know if some, you know, especially some, maybe some of these, uh, this practice that might be more popular, more common amongst the younger crowd that listens to the show or compete competitively. But if you, uh, if you do this, you know, uh, let us know uh, on, on social media, uh, if it's something that you uh, have tried and if it's something you felt has, uh, you benefited from some way, but you know, I thought that was interesting. I don't know if I've had the, I might go in and out, but you know, I, I don't know. I, it sounds like you're you're in there for at least five minutes or whatever. Uh, I don't know if I could do that, but I mean, I don't know. KG, you talking about being allergic to the cold? I, I already, 
I'm already kind of getting sick of the cold by come February. So I'm not sure if I need, would like to put myself in that situation. But uh, if I ever do, I, I know that I'm not doing it outside in 30 degree weather or whatever. It's got to be in a pretty warm room. So, cause yeah, so as soon as I happen. You don't even need the water. You just need to walk outside and stand out there. It's the same thing. <laughs> but I'm bundled up, so that that, that cold it ain't it ain't hitting my skin and, and oh, penetrating. You, you have to, to unbundle. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not those crazy people that you see wearing uh, shorts and blizzard weather up up here. So no, I'll pass on that. So <laughs> all right. <laughs> Other than that, uh, that looks like that's it. You know, it's about that time again for me and KG to. Head on in, uh, get some rest, and get ready for the next event here. So, uh, again, if you've got tournaments uh, or anything that that you uh, or results that you want to share, make sure you email them to me at dshong at englishchannel dot com. Uh, again, support the sponsors that support our show and help us uh, to help make us happen. Those sponsors are Ranger, Mercury, Hummingbird, Mancota, Strike King, Blues, Trickstep. Reliant, Under Armour, and Sportsman's Warehouse. Again, until our next cast, KG. Don't take it personal. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.